Welcome to the Naples Community Church Podcast with Pastor Kurt Anderson. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you find this sermon inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. We trust God has great things in store for you. Enjoy today's message. Hear the Word of God as it comes to us from the 37th chapter of Genesis. Now Joseph's brothers went to pasture their father's flock near Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, Are not your brothers pasturing the flock at Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. And he said to him, Here am I. So he said to him, Go now and see if all is well with your brothers and with the flock, and bring me word again. So he sent him away from the valley of Hebron, and, they came, and then he came to Shechem. And a man found him wandering in the fields, and the man asked him, what are, what are you seeking? I'm seeking my brothers, he said. Tell me, I pray, where they are pasturing the flock. And the man said, they have gone away, for I heard them say, let's go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them at Dothan. They saw him afar off, and before he came near to them, they conspired against him to kill him. They said to one another, here comes that dreamer. Come now, let's, let's kill him, throw him into one of these pits. And we'll say a wild, be- wild beast has devoured him, and we shall see what will become of his dreams. But when Reuben heard it, he delivered him out of their hands, saying, let's not take his life. And Reuben said to them, shed no blood. Cast him into the pit here in the wilderness, but lay no hand on him that he might rescue him out of their hand to restore him to his father. So Joseph came to his brothers. They stripped him of his robe, the long robe with sleeves that he wore, and they took him and cast him into a pit. The pit was empty. There was no water in it. Then they sat down to eat. And looking up, they saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead with their camels bearing gum and balm and myrrh on their way to carry it down to Egypt. And Judah said to his brothers, What profit is, is it if we slay our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hand be upon him. For he is our brother, our own flesh. And his brothers hated him. Then, the, the Midianite, then Midianite traders passed by, and they drew Joseph up and lifted him up out of the pit, and they sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. And they took Joseph to Egypt. When Reuben returned to the pit and saw Joseph was not in the pit, he rent his clothes and returned to his brothers and said, The lad is gone, and I, where shall I go? Then they took Joseph's robe and killed a goat and dipped it in the blood. And they sent the long robe with the sleeves and brought it to their father and said, This is what we have found. See now whether it is your son's robe or not. And he recognized it, and he said, It is my son's robe. A wild beast has devoured him. Joseph is without doubt torn to pieces. And Jacob rent his garments and put sackcloth on his loins and mourned for his son many days. All his sons and all his daughters rose up to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted and said, No, I shall go down to Sheol to my son mourning. Thus his father wept for him. Meanwhile, the Midianites had sold him in Egypt to Potiphar, 
an officer of the Pharaoh, captain of the guard. May God add his understanding to this hearing of his word. So the brothers are victims. Their father doesn't love them like he loves Joseph. That's just not fair. And so they're going to victimize Joseph. They see him coming, and they're going to kill him. And, and Reuben says, no, well, let, let's not do that. Let's just put him in this pit. There's no water in there. Long enough, and he'll starve, lose water, and maybe he'll just die on his own. And then while they're off eating after they throw him into the pit, along come some Ishmaelites and Midianites. The Midianites pull Joseph out of the pit. They sell him. They sell him to the Ishmaelites, and off they all go to Egypt. <laughs> and so the brothers didn't even get any money out of it. They get stiffed by their plan, which went awry. And that's not fair. They were going to sell him into slavery. Well, that's not fair. So they have this deep sense of, of fairness and how they have been robbed of what was due them. Jonathan Haidt is a professor at the University of Virginia, and he studied hundreds of thousands of individuals. He said there are, in fact, five innate moral values. The argument is that all of our moral values aren't just taught to us, that they are, there are a collection of them that are actually innate, born into us. C.S. Lewis affirms this in his sermon called The Weight of Glory. And, and it, is a, it is a reality that is identifiable all over the world. Five and eight moral values, foundations of morality. One, fairness. Two, care for others. Three, respect for authority. Four, loyalty to one's group. Five, purity or sanctity. And later he added liberty to that group. Research has shown that of these five moral foundations, the first two, fairness and care, are nearly universal. Except for sociopaths, almost everyone, conservative or liberal, young or old, religious or non-religious, believes in fairness and compassion to others. So this is the language we hear about, that we hear all the time, and that is fair, what is fair. If it's not fair, I'm a victim. And all I can say when I, when I hear this, and we all hear it all the time, is Welcome to life. Welcome to the real world. Life isn't fair. I think it was Thomas Hobbes who said it was, life was nasty, brutish, and short. Well, that's not fair. I'm a victim. As I've shared before, if I'm a victim, I'm going to be angry and somebody owes me something. I, get, I, I should be getting payback for what I have suffered. Well, perhaps, and perhaps not. Perhaps this life, 
unfair as it is, is all part of how it's supposed to be. And when God created the world, he said it is good. He said it's very good. The only thing that he said that was not good before the fall was that the man was alone. So he created Eve, and then God sort of took off so Adam and Eve could be alone. But otherwise, it was all good until the fall. And the fall ushered in this reality of human sin. And we all sin. Sin stains every single life. There's not a one of us who doesn't. In fact, it's rather difficult when someone is not able to acknowledge and recognize their own shortcomings and failings and and sin. Difficult to deal with such people who lack the humility to admit that they've been wrong. But in in this story, the story about Joseph and his brothers, we have this rather dramatic instance where God is on trial. God is on trial because God is understood to be somehow just as well as loving. What's just or loving about any of this story? And the reality is the story of Joseph as as well as the reality of all of our lives don't play out in short order. It plays out over a long period of time. And if we hold ourselves in that dark place of victim status, we'll simply nurture our anger. And if we nurture our anger, we're going to nurture our hate. And the only people that gets hurt is ourself. Our hatred toward another doesn't touch that person, but it eats us out from the inside. So these brothers, are being eaten out from the inside. And as we, we're going to look at the story of Joseph over the next couple of weeks, we're going to find that Joseph refused to become a victim, refused to embrace his status as one against whom some grave injustice has been meted out. And instead, he becomes one who, if you will, begins to develop a new way of seeing life, an entirely different paradigm. A paradigm shift is sort of the typical language for this. But sometimes better language is seeing life through the eyes of faith, being given a whole new way of viewing what is happening, what is unfolding in our lives. A man got on a subway in New York City, and um, a, young, a young man like, and four little kids came on. And that man sat just a seat away from him. And when he sat down, the man kind of threw his head back and closed his eyes in utter exhaustion. The kids, however, were going nuts, <laughs> up and down the aisle, and. They, they were even, they were making a lot of noise and yelling and screaming and laughing and they were even grabbing newspapers from people on the, on the train. 
And it was going on and on, and this dad was just sitting there with his head back and his eyes closed. So finally the man said, you know, he had to really screw up his courage to say it, but don't you think you should do something? Your kids are going nuts here. And he opened his eyes, turned, and said, you're probably right. We just left the hospital, and their mother died. And I think even as I'm trying to deal with this, they're trying to deal with it also. That larger reality gave the entire experience a whole new way of seeing, a whole new way of understanding what was going on it wasn't just out of control kids. A new way of seeing, a way that gave eyes of compassion and care, a way of seeing life in such a way that we don't really ever enter into the life of another so that we can fully understand. But that we all want the same thing. We all want fairness. We all want compassion. And in the midst of all of the rancor that goes on in our, in our society today, maybe listen for those voices where there is understanding and compassion. Because maybe, just maybe, all of the unfairness that unfolds, maybe it's part of God's plan. And we don't see it for all that it is at this point, just like that man didn't see all that was happening on that subway bus, subway train. But when our eyes are fully opened, maybe we can see that God is active with us and God is acting out his redemptive ends and that he will redeem. God will redeem. Life isn't fair, but the Lord will redeem. Will you join me in prayer? Father, the unfairness of life is splayed before us on this table. The broken body and the spilt blood of the perfect life. And yet, Lord, you redeem. And we ask that our hearts and lives might be available for your healing, redemptive power. In Jesus' name, amen. If you enjoyed today's podcast, there are a few things you can do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.naplescommunitychurch.org. If you happen to be visiting Naples, please drop in for our Sunday service at 10 a.m. We'd love to meet you. Thanks again for joining us. Have a fabulous day.